You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, um, I do want to talk about this kickoff rule. Um, I want to get into just a couple little tidbits here before we get there, but that's what I really want to turn my attention to because it's, uh, it's annoying. It's annoying for, I mean, the same reason that a lot of things are annoying in the NFL. Um, I've, I've done this exact rant numerous times, but here we are again. But just a couple news and notes, little roundup thing here. Uh, Patriots apparently are cheating, which, you know, I think that's the first time they've ever cheated. I'm pretty sure. I don't can't think of anything about cheating and Patriots or whatever. But uh, they lost two days of OTAs for violating off-season rules. Apparently what exactly they did is not yet known, but it's also not yet known if this is the uh, totality of the punishment. So this is just what it is as of right now. Uh, Some stuff from the Lions. Real good reports about Jamison Williams, aside from the part where, you know, he's not going to play because he was suspended and whatnot. David Montgomery, who we spent some time talking about because he gave us some fantastic quotes. He actually left along with Malcolm Rodriguez uh, due to leg injuries. And they also picked up kicker Riley Patterson. Riley Patterson was a uh, Jaguars kicker, a very, very good kicker. For whatever reason, Jacksonville decided to uh, let him walk out the door. And the Jaguars picked him up for a, I think it was a 2026 conditional seventh round pick. So it's literally the lowest that you could possibly give. There isn't anything lower than a 2026 unconditional or conditional seventh round pick. Hilariously, Chris Burke made a comment. He said, the NFL will have banned kickers by 2026. So that was a smart trade by the Jaguars. But all right, let's talk about this kickoff thing real quick. And honestly, what, I'm, what I have to say about it is what everybody's already said about it, including pretty much every single NFL player and every single NFL head coach because they are freaking ticked off about this rule change. But let me read the new rule to you. Article 4, putting ball in play after fair catch. After a fair catch is made or is awarded as a result of a fair catch interference, the receiving team has the option of putting the ball in play by either A, fair catch kick from the spot of the the catch, B, snap from the spot of the catch, or the succeeding spot after enforcement of any applicable penalties, unless a player on the receiving team makes a fair catch of a free kick behind the receiving team's 25-yard line, in which case the ball will be put in play at the receiving team's 25-yard line. Note, a receiver may make or be awarded a fair catch in his end zone if there is a fair catch interference or illegal contact with the receiver after he has made the fair catch. So that, what I just read to you, doesn't make any sense. But essentially, the real substance behind this is that if you fair catch, you get the ball at the 25-yard line. I don't know why they don't just sack up and just take it away. Why are you even doing this if you just don't want it to be a thing? You hate it so much. You hate it, and I would love to get some numbers on this, by the way, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong, because I must be wrong, but I don't think I've ever seen somebody like a kick returner get laid out cold. I see guys get laid out cold every single week in the NFL. Guys get popped, they got to come off the field at least for some kind of a concussion, 
multiple times people getting carried off in stretchers, you would think with the amount of scrutiny that the kickoff gets, that it's like every third kick return, somebody's got a concussion or somebody is just, they, they're immobile on the field. I never see it. Who was the last Green Bay Packer that returned a kick and got laid out cold? It hasn't happened to Keyshawn. Pretty sure it didn't happen to Amari. I don't remember Randall getting knocked out. Not from this, anyways. But okay, let's just pretend that, that we're, we're fixing something. Why don't you just take it away? See, this is the internal struggle that they have because they they want to, they understand that it's important that we maintain the structure of the game, but you've already ruined it. I've been saying this for years. At some point, we have to either acknowledge that injuries are a part of the game and say, oh, well, or we just got to stop watching, stop playing football. We can't do it anymore. And, And that's the thing. Even me saying that made people shudder. Because we're so freaking brainwashed with this notion of if it, if it just saves one person, if we could just save one concussion, that's such stupid thinking. If we could just save one life, wouldn't it be worth it? No. No is the answer. If it could just take away one con- concussion, what, no is the answer. No. Just because you're too uncomfortable saying no doesn't mean you have to ruin everything in life because you're too much of a coward to just accept reality that sometimes things are hard. Sometimes bad things happen. Suck it up and get over it. Can't do that because we got all the bleeding hearts that just can't can't stand by and allow these things to happen. I, this was years and years ago when this concussion thing first flared up. I, I, I told you and I stand by it. I stopped reading Bleacher Report many, many, many years ago when they published an article, and now now the title escapes me, but it was something to the effect of, should we be ashamed of, or should you be ashamed of watching football? And I thought, what the hell are you talking about? Listen, you freaking pansy, if you don't have the stomach for watching grown men run into each other because it's too scary and too violent and it makes you too sad, stop watching it. Give up your job. Give up your career. Your freaking job is to report on and promote the NFL. But now your sensibilities have become more important than your job, and you're writing this drivel, this freaking garbage, about should you be ashamed of yourself for watching football? No, I'm not. Not even a little bit. This is what it is. This is a grown man sport. They all know they're going to get hurt. They're going to get broken bones and concussions and everything else. Just like in the MMA, you think they don't know? Like, how can we, how can we make it so guys don't get punched in the face? You can't! That's the point of the sport, dude. We either s- accept what it is, a violent, physical sport, and leave it alone. I mean, listen, if, if you think you can do so, but, but here, here, here's the point. You can't. And everything you do is only going to either ruin the sport and or make it worse. Said this before, too. The, the padding, the, the helmets and the gear, it makes the, the injuries worse. There is a league right now where they don't use any padding. I think Mike Ditka has in, uh, endorsed it and whatnot. Some, some other people have. Guess how many concussions they have? Zero. You know why? Because nobody's running into somebody with their face. But when you got padding on, when you got helmet, you feel invincible and you fly around like a freaking wrecking ball. So, and, and again, this happens all the time throughout society. We see a problem. Oh, we have to do something. We have to fix that. Because our sensibilities won't just allow us to just accept, you know, things like violence. That is the game. And you're, you're just going to make it worse. We got a quote here from the Chicago Bears head coach. 
one of, I would assume, 32 head coaches who are pissed off. He says, I think you'll get more squib kicks. I think you'll get more drop kicks, more drive kicks, those types of things, and make guys return it, Eberflus said. I suspect you'll see more returns than less. That's just what I'm thinking right now, but we'll see what happens. By the way, he has some insight as to how at least one team is going to handle this situation. But, I mean, it just goes back to, again, like, can, can, we enjoy, can we just enjoy the sport or not? It was Dan Campbell said the same thing. Like, where does it end? Where does it end? And, and again, if you have that, that they, they put in here, they believe that returns will drop from 38% down to 31% due to the change. They also believe concussions will drop 15%. I would doubt that, but let's leave that alone. Let's just assume that's true. Actually, that may be true if it's a really low number of concussions. Because, you know, if you have one less concussion, it, it would represent potentially, oh, I don't know, 15% or so. But anyways, again, if you have that mentality, if it could just save one player, if we could just prevent one concussion, isn't it worth it? Tell me one thing that doesn't go away. How? how I mean, why don't we just make this like, scrimmages between teams like when you know the Packers and some other teams come out they they practice against each other why not just make it like that you don't hit the quarterback ever you're not allowed to I mean we should just make it flag football that'll drop concussions down to oh I don't know roughly zero probably still have some ACLs I've seen guys go up and come down and and bust up their knees and whatnot you get a couple of those maybe you prevent people from jumping and again there's, there's oh that's ridiculous yes it is so is all of this that's the point. We've already crossed that line. I, I, and, and the other thing, the players don't want it. The coaches don't want it. The fans don't want it. The only people that want it are the owners. And there's only two reasons that I can think that. One, again, these are not necessarily football people. These are business people. These are not football people. They don't care about the integrity of the game. And not every, not every team voted in favor of this, by the way. The Green Bay Packers voted against it. But it's, it's just this, this notion of, I, I want to make myself out to be a better person. If I, if I vote against this, I'm a bad person because I'm not voting for player safety. And we're so brainwashed in this player safety thing that anything that comes along, if I can say the words player safety and demonstrate statistically that it can make players safer, then you're a monster if you vote against it. That's stupid. Because we're not valuing the integrity of the game at all. The only thing that matters at that point is is player safety. Forget the part where this might actually get worse and increase injuries. You're ruining the integrity of the freaking game. And again, ask yourself, where does it stop and and why would it stop? All I have to do is come to you and say, look, if we do this, if we do this, if we do this, it's going to make players safer. If we do this, players are going to be safer. I mean, it, it, it doesn't stop every year. This is why I want Roger Goodell gone. Because this is his big thing. His, his whole thing is, is appealing to the casual fans. And um, there, there was a lot of concern that moms weren't going to allow their kids to play football because it's too dangerous. And that's going to mess up the pipeline. They're worried about the casuals and, you know, the moms out there that don't want to see the violence. They don't want to see people laying on the ground getting carted off. That's horrible. That's tragic. Of course, nobody wants to see that. But that's the point. We, we need to appeal to people that don't really like football anyways. We also have to protect ourselves from lawsuits, which is another big thing. And of course, the owners are really worried about their freaking pocketbook. Way more than they're concerned about the integrity of the game, which is another reason why, if you believe that the Green Bay Packers should have an owner, you should go outside and kick yourself in the freaking jaw. We don't need more owners. These guys are losers. 
All right, they're they're multi-billionaires who care about their pocketbook, their reputation. These are not football people. Not even Jerry. Jerry loves the Dallas Cowboys. I have no doubt about that. But if something comes along that is going to threaten his pocketbook, he's going to vote against it or for it, the thing to protect it or whatever. He's not dealing with lawsuits or whatever. He's not doing that. This is nonsense. I mean, I, I really wish we would just stop. Let's just pause. Are we okay with this sport being a violent sport between grown men where people are going to be carted off, they're going to be taken to hospitals, they're going to have life-saving procedures, guys who get hit and their, their knee gets shredded so bad they get life-flighted to the hospital and get emergency surgery so that they can save the person's leg, which has happened multiple times. Guys getting knocked out unconscious on the field. Of course, there was the DeMar Hamlin situation, which was horrifying when he got hit in the heart and went flatlined on the field. Can we handle this or not? Because if we can't, let's just fold it up. There is no fixing this. It's a violent sport. That's what it is. If you don't like it, watch tennis. And if we as a society just are not strong enough to handle the violence of freaking football, then let's wrap, let's just pack it up. Because this is not going to end. It's never going to end. There's always going to be another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. Because it's not hard to find areas in which violence is causing injury, right? Like defenders. Defenders can't do anything anymore. Can't hit them high, can't hit them low. Quarterback, if he's sliding, can't hit him. If he's moving, you can't hit him. If he's, You can't do anything. And then on top of that, because we're all obsessed with these fantasy football numbers, defenders aren't allowed to touch anybody, can't move anywhere, can't get in the way, can't, can't do anything. At what point are we going to allow ourselves to be okay watching football? I, I, I really think we need to get rid of Roger Goodell, find somebody that is passionate about the actual game of football, the, the historic nature of football, and everything that is good about it, including the violent nature of it. That person needs to be in charge of the league, and they need to have a number one goal, not of making the most amount of money. I don't, I don't mind that they're making a ton of money. The salary cap goes through the roof like he's doing a great job with that. But the number one goal of this new commissioner is not to make the most amount of money, but to protect the integrity of the game. That's what needs to happen. It's never going to happen because what? The owners are going to find the next commissioner and they're going to find the next guy that makes them the most amount of money. So this isn't going to end. But if we really wanted this to get better, if we really wanted to make this a great and enjoyable thing, we would find somebody whose focus is the integrity of the game. And then we would just have a big pause and say, this is what football is. And I'm talking to the players, and I'm talking to the fans. If you, if you don't like it, if you can't handle it, don't come here. Don't watch this. Players, you know what you're signing up for. You're doing it because you love the game and because you make a ton of money. And, and, and you're going to have a massive legacy and everything else that comes along with it. But if you don't want it, I understand that. Have a good life as a mailman. I don't care. This is what it is. And it's for people that are passionate about it. Enough is enough. But it won't be enough, and we're going to do this again, and we're going to do this again, and we're going to do this again. And I don't even know if this, this rule will stick. Hopefully, it's an absolute disaster. Uh, what we really need to do is make as much noise as is humanly possible. In fact, it would be great if we had like a Commissioner Goodell booing session every time there was a kickoff. Just make that a tradition in the NFL. Every time somebody fair catches and they get it at the 25-yard line, it's nonstop booing. I mean, if, like, for example, if you're in Lambeau, you don't do it to the Packers. Right? You might boo initially and then just move on. But that entire drive that that next team is out there, when you're supposed to be making noise, you know what the noise is that you make? You boo. 
It needs to be such an embarrassment for the NFL for doing this. That's the thing. The fans have to be the ones to stand up. That's the problem. They know we're addicts and we're going to come back no matter what. We're going to piss and moan, but we're going to watch. We're going to watch. That's why they appeal to people who don't really watch or are kind of on the fence. It's the same with like politics. Nobody cares about the hardcore people. They're locked in. Hardcore, hardcore leftists and hardcore right-wingers, they're always going to vote R&D. What matters are the independents, the people in the middle. The people that aren't sure, the people that might not vote, right? Get out the vote. Those are the people that make the difference. If the NFL is going to make more money, it's not with the same old people. But I think, you know what they're missing? Is the fact that new generations of diehards are being born every day. And if you pollute the sport, you're going to have less and less younger diehards. So you're rotting this, this league out from within. Yeah, I'm going to watch until I die. Are my kids going to watch? Are my grandkids going to watch? Maybe they don't care. Jerry Jones doesn't care. He's got four more years to live. He knows it. Was he like 98 years old? He doesn't care about my grandkids and whether or not they're going to be watching NFL Sunday Ticket. As a final thought on this, though, this really is a disservice to people who have been building their teams in a certain direction. I mean, this is a major phase. You know, look at how much the Packers have invested in the special teams unit from the coach to the players they've given them so much power to go out and and determine what players are on our roster what players are um winning linebacker spots and safety spots simply because of their special teams abilities what if they're successful and and you know i mean really think about how many people even get back to the 25 very often not a ton so if you're kicking it Anywhere from the, the five-yard line to the, to the end zone, because that, that was the biggest thing. This is why the NFL did it, too. They, they Once the um, fair catch in the end zone went to the 25, what did they start doing? They started kicking it to the one-yard line as much as they could. And that ticked off the league, right? Because, oh, you're not supposed to do that. They, they really thought, this is why the numbers are all BS, by the way, because their numbers didn't calculate those types of things happening. But anyways, they start kicking it to the one-yard line because obviously nobody's going to fair catch there, so then everybody has to return it. So that probably spiked massively the amount of kick returns. And so what do they do? Well, we got to fix that. So we're going to make a new rule to fix the rule that was broken the last time for the rule that was broken the last time. There's a commercial, I don't know if you've seen it, it's on YouTube or something, or Hulu constantly annoys the crap out of me, but there's like a a stain on the wall, and so they move a couch over to that side, and then that couch had a stain, so then they move a table, and then that table behind the table was a stain, so they move the fridge into the living room, and it's just, it's this big freaking mess. And as stupid as that commercial is, because that makes no sense why you would do any of that, that's literally what the NFL and, and most of society does all the time. This is a problem. Yeah, well, that's how it is. No, 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 we got to fix it, okay? So then they do so, they change, alter something massively. Well, go figure, there are repercussions for that. Well, then now we got to go fix that. And we got to fix that. And we got to fix that. And we got to fix that. And I'm just sitting here watching, like, you are so stupid. You know that? You are so stupid. But you go ahead and knock yourself out. You have fun. But how much have the Packers invested in this? And what if they are successful? What happens then? How important is Dallin Levitt if nobody's returning the kick? How, how important is Keyshawn? I know Keyshawn said he's going to return it anyways. Good for him. But if nobody else is, how, how important are, you know, Tariq Carpenter and everybody else that we bring in? How many guys have we drafted because of their special teams abilities? 
Because as far as I'm concerned, unless you have a guy that you confidently believe can return at 25 yards every time they touch the ball, you always should do a fair catch. And there are very few people that are going to return at 25 yards every time they touch the ball. Keyshawn is one of the few. The few. The proud. The Marines. Sorry. And so, yeah, we still got Keyshawn. We're all good. It doesn't matter. What about the other 25% of our team that's made up of people that were specifically brought here and given the job over other people that are maybe better linebackers, better safeties, better whatever, because of their special teams ability, which now is essentially useless because we're never going to need their services. How much time has been dedicated to special teams that could have been dedicated to something else? When the Packers finally get on board and say, okay, fine, we get it, we have to dedicate more time, we'll take away time from offense and defense, we'll dedicate it to special teams, we're going to give... You know, a bunch of money to a special teams coordinator, which we never wanted to do, but I guess we see the merit in it now. In fact, we're going to promote the guy, and we're going to give him more responsibilities, and he's going to make personnel decisions from the draft to free agency. He's going to handpick our kicker and all this stuff, right? And then the NFL comes out, and they're like, yeah, we really just don't want special teams to be it, but we don't want you to think about special teams. In fact, ideally for us, a special teams coordinator is a thing of the past. Just go away. Leave us alone. I'm serious. I mean, it's it, the, the parallels here with government and uh, and the NFL, fr- the, the league front office. Just sit in your offices, rake in tons of money, take $100 bill baths, stop talking, and leave us alone. We don't need you. We don't want you. You're ruining our freaking lives. Go away. I don't need you to fix the league. I don't understand how you think you're helping somebody, but the players don't even want it. Which, again, it just goes to demonstrate it's not about the players. It's about, I want to prevent lawsuits, and I want to appeal to casual fans. Which is, by the way, another big reason why all these NFL shows are structured the way that they're structured. Like I said yesterday, hardcore fans, they don't really like those shows very much. You know who does? The casuals. That's who they're catering to. They don't care about you because they're gonna, they got your vote no matter what. They don't care about you. You're going to vote for them, right? You're going to watch. They don't need to cater to you. You're irrelevant. People that listen to this show every day in the offseason are the exact kind of diehard fans that Roger Goodell could not give less of a crap about. Anyways, we're going to take a break here, come back on the other side and talk about how, um, I forget who it was, somebody wrote a, written an article, which I don't know if this is something insightful or just uh, in other words, something that they know or something that they're speculating, but I thought it was a good thought anyways, and I want to talk about it briefly, and it has to do with the Green Bay Packers and the 2025 NFL Draft. Uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, by the way, it would be greatly appreciated. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Also, Venmo is Packernet Podcast. Um, yes, by the way, I forget uh, who it was that donated it. I, I didn't see it. But when you reminded me, I went back and checked my Venmo, and I did see that you donated to Fertile Ground Ranch, so I will be sure that my dad gets the money. Really appreciate that. Speaking of, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. It's a ministry aimed at helping those that are uh, really downtrodden. Focused a lot right now on um, people recently coming out of prison and whatnot, but addiction and and those types of things also. So if it's something you'd want to check out, please go to FertileGroundRanch.org, see if it's something that you'd be willing to support. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the article that I was referring to was written by uh, Pete Doherty. NFL has a big reason for awarding the 2025 draft to quaint little Green Bay. Um, Again, I think this is just kind of his speculation, but I don't think he's probably all that far off, and it really mimics what I had talked about yesterday, the day before, or whatever, last couple days about the NFL draft, and exactly this same conversation about those guys really not being football people, not catering to football people. And here's the thing, I think they know it. They know this isn't popular. And by the way, football people doesn't just include the fans. It includes the players. It includes the coaches. Those are football people. A lot of GMs are football people. Let me read a little bit of this article. It says, um, So why would the NFL award its biggest off-season showcase, the draft, to Little Green Bay? The league has become nothing if not a money grab. Look no further than its approval this week to stick it to uh, ticket-buying fans by, by allowing a game to be flexed in season from Sunday to a Thursday to boost Amazon's streaming audience. It's another decision that just sticks it to the fans. In the NFL's money chase, bigger is always better. So why would the league want to hold its draft in its smallest city knowing it will probably draw fewer spectators than the approximate 320,000 who attended the draft in Kansas City and far less than the 600,000 who attended in Nashville four years ago? The answer is simple. It's spectacular PR. So I won't go through the whole thing. If you want to go over there and read the article, you can. You might have to pay for it. I don't know. But the point of it is, They know that they're not appealing to NFL fans. And this is their way of kind of, again, getting back onto the political thing because we all kind of understand how this works. You know when these guys get on the campaign trail and you'll see, you know, they'll, they'll go into like some farm community and they're wearing overalls, eating corn, just one of the people, you know? It's like, you phony piece of garbage. Go into the black community and suddenly they, they 
start speaking with all this slang and everything. It's just so cringeworthy going into some barbecue restaurant, you know, eating ribs, their bare hands getting messy. Like, that's how I like it. And then they walk out and they have their nurse like wiping them with wet wipes like Adrian Monk. Get it off of me. Uh, do you have my caviar in the bus? This is this is throwing us a bone is what it is. They know that this, the draft in Green Bay, is what NFL fans want. It's what it's what we want, which again just just goes to kind of bolster what I said before. This is for football fans. The draft in Green Bay is a football thing. Everything about Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin, just bleeds football. This isn't what's best for them. He even mentions in the article, it's not a coincidence that you know, very shortly after this whole Amazon thing. They're like, oh, by the way, we're doing it in Green Bay, everybody, yay! Because they need to appeal to NFL fans as just one of us. You ever see those those pictures of, like, Roger Goodell sitting in the stands? Usually he's up in the, in, the, in the fancy suites, but once in a while he'll be in, in one of the seats, and he's wearing a hat, and it just looks weird. You know, he's wearing a hat that's messing up his $450 haircut. But he's got to appeal as the man of the people. Pretend he represents us as NFL fans instead of NFL owners when everybody knows it's a gimmick. And that's what this is. And you know what? I don't care. I'm happy about it. Good. I'm glad that there's at least a little bit coming out of New York City that wants to give NFL fans something that feels like the NFL. Hey, look, I know I'm taking kickoffs away from you, and I know I'm kind of messing up your whole, you know, you buy a ticket for Sunday and take off work and get hotels and all that, and then we flex it to Thursday. <laughs> My bad. Kind of screwing you with that whole thing, I know, but um, how about this? The draft in Green Bay, Wisconsin, baby. And they did throw us a bone with that one. Not just Packer fans. That is a very, very cool thing. It's going to be a very fun event. NFL people are going to love it. So for the exact reason that I, I hope that this kickoff thing is a massive failure, I don't mean in terms of there being more returns and more injuries because they're just going to find a new way to make more rules. I'm talking about the PR is so devastatingly horrible that they decide to go back. For that same reason, I want the Green Bay-Wisconsin draft, and all Packer fans should too. Put your biases aside. I Listen, by the way, Bears fans, if you're listening, the Chicago draft was awesome. It really was. It looked like a fantastic, amazing event. I, I, I wish I could have gone, and I, I hope that they do it there again, and I hope that I can be there. This isn't about that. On some level, we're, we're not just, you know, I'm a Packer fan, you're a Bear fan, you're a Viking fan, you're a Lion fan. We don't like each other because of our rivalries and all that stuff, but we're all NFL fans, and we're all getting screwed by the same guy in the same league office and all this nonsense and the same freaking owners. If the Green Bay Packers... The, the Green Bay-Wisconsin 2025 NFL draft is successful. The NFL is successful. And, I, and by the NFL, I mean the, the game of football succeeds and has a massive win. Because it will demonstrate to those people in the, their, their big freaking towers out in Manhattan that doing right by NFL fans and giving football fans football and prioritizing that over maximizing profits is a good thing. We all need this to be successful. So let the media people piss and moan all they want. But Vikings fans, Lions fans, Bears fans, come on, man. This needs to be a big thing. It really does. Anyways, uh, a couple other things I wanted to touch on here. If I can, what the heck was that? 
Oh, um, getting back to the Jets, I, I, I was going to touch on this when I was going through the some of the other NFL stuff that was going on, but um, this is going to take a little bit more time, so I figured I'd kind of wait. Um, there's an article that I saw here by Brian Costello of the New York Post. Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl hype around the Jets comes with major defensive assumptions. This immediately jumped out at me because I've talked about this personally. Right, A lot of the hype is based on the assumption that they're going to remain a top five defense. And statistically speaking, there's no reason to believe that. But here's a couple specific things. And just so we're all clear, this is not a anti-Rodgers thing. This is a we need a high pick thing. Okay, We are going to be monitoring the Jets and rooting against the Jets to get as little wins as possible. Here's just a couple notes from the article. There's speculation about whether the Jets defense can maintain or improve on last year's performance. Key defensive players Sheldon Rankin, Quan Alexander, and LaMarcus Joyner are leaving. Possible factors for regression include potential injury issues given the unusual good health the team enjoyed in 2022 and lack of depth at certain positions. So, you know, last year, when you're when your defensive unit, offensive unit, your team or whatever can be unusually or unbelievably healthy, and that happened to the Packers a couple years ago, you can expect a lot more success, but you can't expect it to happen again next year. And when you also lack depth, not just top-end talent, but you don't have the depth, that could really hurt you. Continuing, part of the Jets' success in 2022 is facing backup quarterbacks in five games, which they won. They had a 2-9 and nine record against teams that had their number one quarterback in the game. They were 2-9 and nine against teams that had starting quarterbacks. In addition, several Jets players, including Quinn and Williams, uh, Reed, Jonathan Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, and Sauce Gardner had standout seasons in 2022, which might be difficult to replicate. This is another thing that happens a lot. When your defense is one of the best in football or like you got the number one defense, a lot of times what you'll find is everybody on that defense had an unusually high season, right? The, the 2018 Bears are the, the number one example that I always use because I said it at the time. I said, they're not going to do this again. You know, all these guys had seasons that were well beyond even their own capabilities and you can tell because we got three four five six seven years of data that shows you what these players actually are so when when a lot of your defensive success was based on let's say five superstars and all five of those superstars had seasons that are going to be very duplicate hard to duplicate even including sauce gardner not to say i mean he's probably going to be a fantastic corner for a long time but he you know when you peak as a rookie there's not much else place to go you just hope that you can kind of maintain it but it essentially concludes with the addition of Rodgers could improve the team, but the assumption that the Jets' defense will maintain or improve upon last year's performance may be a mistake. And that's the same thing that's happening. Well, let's be honest. It's happening with all 32 teams. There's way too many assumptions, right? The Jets have the top five defense. Dude, two years ago, they had like a bottom five defense. So I don't want to hear it. And we know the Bears are going to improve because they did a lot in free agency and Fields is going to be real good. Uh, I mean, they, they did things, yeah. They didn't do a lot or, or helpful things. And what are you talking about with Fields? You know, the, the, the optimism of the Lions, which a lot of people are starting to recognize, is a little bit silly. But again, just this unbelievable optimism about a team that still has yet to make it to the playoffs with this current regime. Not even once. And then, of course, we know about the Green Bay Packers and the constant assumptions. We pretend we know too much. Because we saw what happened last year, and we just, for whatever reason, assume it has to be the same again. Uh, a couple little notes until I get into my kind of final thing here. 
But um, I guess Eric Stokes had a plate and two screws inserted into his right foot after being injured at Ford Field November 6th and also had surgery for a torn meniscus in his right knee. He was in a wheelchair until January 8th and then crutches. Um, So that's pretty crazy. I mean, because, again, we didn't really know the status. People are asking me questions about him in December and January and everything else. I had no idea that at that time he was in a wheelchair. And, and for a long time after, was in crutches. And it's also great to see him where he's at now, which also might, you know, kind of, well, it, it, two things. Number one, has a lot to do with why, you know, a while ago, um, when asked about the structure of the team, Stokes wasn't really brought up because the dude just got out of a wheelchair. But secondly, we should certainly tamper our expectations because I can't imagine, you know, if you're in a wheelchair until January and then you're in crutches until, like, March or April, I mean, it's great to see him running around, jumping around, and, and looking good out there right now, but I would have to assume it's going to be a little bit of a road yet. Um, all right, one final thing here. Another article, USA Today. Bulk of early practice reps from Packers wide receiver Jaden Reed coming from the slot. Um, my, my first thought kind of seeing that was, I, I guess, trying to weigh two different things. Number one is... How much weight do we put on this? That is to say, is he going to be just a slot guy? Is he just going to be that number three behind Romeo Dobbs? Is, or should I say, is this actually what they want him to be? Or is it just, you know, we're lining up the way we line up. Dobbs gets dibs. Dobbs gets dibs of number two. And we want Jaden Reed out there. So we're going to go three wide. We're going to put him in the slot right away so that he can be out there with the ones. Doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. But looking at the article, I thought there was a sort of a, I guess, a third option. And without reading it again, says Reed, who is five foot eleven, hundred and eighty-seven pounds, has the speed to play outside, but the Packers are easing him into the offense and want him to get comfortable playing from the slot first. So when I saw that, that kind of set off some alarm bells. Not alarm bells in a bad way. I just mean it it that little light bulb thing went off. Although I think he has the ability to be a legitimate number two or or number one or whatever you want to call it, the X receiver. Uh, but the the second guy after Christian Watson, um, I, I think if you go three wide, I think he's going to be your slot guy, right? I think Dobbs comes out or maybe a little bit of Torre, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But the first thing I wanted to see when I when I read that was, well, what did he do in college? Well, he was only in the slot 22% of the time in college. And the year before that, it was 15.9%. He was not primarily a slot guy. So if he's going to spend a good amount of his time in the slot, or let's just say it's fairly even, that they believe he can get to that point, although we don't know, he can get to the point where he's uh, primarily an outside guy. He already knows how to do that. We need to make sure you can learn to be a slot guy. And again, that's for two reasons. Number one, that's what you're less familiar with, and so we need to get you up to speed on being our slot guy because you are that dude. Right, You can be one of the outside guys. We've got a billion of those. We need you to make sure you can be that legit slot guy, if nothing else. But, but again, if number two, maybe you don't really meet that ceiling, especially year one, and you might just be a slot guy early on. So we need to make sure that you are that guy. So just from a what makes the most sense standpoint, I think it does make sense. I think it does make sense to uh, give him a ton of reps on the inside, see how he does, Give him a couple, a little bit, this, that, or the other on the outside. Let him compete. And again, what you're hoping to see is that this guy is just an absolute freaking dynamo. And he he can certainly be a boundary guy and a slot guy and kind of go inside, outside, and do all that kind of stuff. 
a lot of guys in the league have done that. We've seen that. Sort of those inside out, you know, they're, they're your slot guy when there's three wide receivers, they're the boundary guy when they're the, when there's two wide receivers. The hope is that Jaden Reed is going to be one of those. But again, on the off chance that he can't, we at least need him to be our best slot option. Because honestly, we'll be fine if he can't be a boundary. I shouldn't say can't, but isn't an ideal boundary candidate. We know we haven't Dobbs, and we have a ton of other options um, that are competing on the outside. We don't have a ton of options in the slot. I mean, we had three guys that were wide receivers that took more than 50% of their snaps from the slot. Jawan Winfrey, no thank you. Samore Ture, which is currently our option at slot if Jaden Reed can't be that dude. And Randall Cobb, who was at 80%, who is no longer here. Samore was at 63, Jawan 57. After that was Lazard at 37, he's gone. Watson at 31, no chance he's going to be our slot guy. And then Romeo Dobbs was the lowest at 22%. So right now today, Samore Ture is our slot guy. So they're going to push Jaden Reed in there and be like, no, 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 you're winning this job. You don't understand. You are going to win this job. Then once you beat Samori Ture for that job, then we can find out whether you or Dobbs is a better option on the boundary or, you know, Tay Wicks or whoever ends up winning it. But first things first, you have to win that slot job. So I think that's going to be the big part of it because that, that was a little disappointing to me when I first saw that. Like, oh man, just put him out there with Christian, let him run around and all that stuff. Um, but I think from a logistical standpoint, that does make the most sense. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.